Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks. Today we unpack mid-cap industrials. That's Afrimat, Invicta and PPC with Anthony Clark from Small Talk Daily Research. Anthony, thank you so much for your time. Hello from sunny Cape Town for a change. Yes, it is warm here in Joburg too, but I believe you are bringing a cold front our way according to weather reports. Crossing fingers, it's all wrong, Anthony. Thank you for being with us today. Pleasure. How can I help you today? Okay, let's talk uh, some construction materials or stocks. Keen to find out actually about Afrimat. Uh, you know, a while ago, uh, Anthony, Afrimat reclassified uh, itself on the JSC. Well, I think they had to from a construction materials company to a mining construction to a mining uh, uh, company, and then they went and bought Lafarge. So <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, and I'm keen to hear uh, your thoughts and insights on that. Yeah, hi. I've covered Afrimat since 2006 when it had its IPO on the JSE. And that was in the pre-Soccer World Cup construction boom. And Afrimat uh, actually emerged from that construction boom pretty much unscathed, unlike many other companies, which, as we all know, have gone bankrupt, like Group 5, Basil Reed, uh, amongst others. Uh, it kept its debt low, and it decided to diversify away from construction materials towards bulk commodities. And what that basically means is it moved into iron ore, and recently coal. So because of the improvement in this underlying revenue mix away from aggregates and construction materials towards bulk commodities, it had to change its JSE classification from construction to mining to better reflect the mix of its business. As you correctly mentioned, uh, in uh, early June, it uh, spent roughly 800 million rand buying out Lafarge SA from a global Swiss cement company, Holson, which takes its construction materials back to around 25% of the mix. Mm. So even though it adds a, a significant proportion to its revenue, I estimate that its revenue from construction materials will rise by about 70% year on year, purely because of the Lafarge turnover. The bulk of the profits will still come from iron ore and from coal. If they turn Lafarge around, Last year, Lafarge made 38 million rand in profit, but it made 331 million in 2021. This could be one of the sweetest deals that Afrimat has done. But right now, it remains a, a mining company, but that mix could equalize in the years ahead if the success of Lafarge um, pans out as the company expects. What's very interesting also about the Lafarge acquisition, Anthony, is that it was actually, I think, at around 40% discount uh, for Afrimat. It really was a steal. Well, it was even more of a steal because um, a matter of weeks after the Lafarge deal, um, we had the international company from Brazil um, actually sell out a company called Intercement. That owned Natal Portland Cement, NPC in Kozula Natal, and a very large cement operation in Mozambique. So we've seen two major global cement companies basically throw in the towel and exit South Africa literally in the last month. The uh, Brazilian company sold to a Chinese business for $265 million uh, for a cement operation which had about 3.3 million tons of, uh, of sales, whereas Afrimat bought from Flafage. It only paid $54 million for roughly 2 million tons. Mm -hmm. So on a like-for-like -like basis, to me, Afrimat got a much better deal from the Chinese, but only time will tell as to how the underlying fundamentals of the two transactions uh, will play out. But what was really interesting is two major companies threw in the towel and said, that's it, we're leaving this country, we've had enough of low economic growth, load shedding and weak government policies, and both companies were bought, one by Afrimat and the second by a Chinese company. So the cement landscape has had a fundamental shift literally in the last month. 
I must ask you, you know, Lafarge's performance is actually, uh, you know, uh, taking into account the fact that government's infrastructure spend is really low. Should this increase, um, you know, uh, Anthony, even by uh, a little? Lafarge should stand to benefit, Chan. It actually stands to be an even uh, better, better returns for Afrimat. Agreed. Uh, Lafarge basically brings with it uh, really excellent assets in aggregates and quarries, and more importantly, a fly ash business. Now, fly ash uh, is basically an ingredient that, uh, that bulks up uh, cement to make it cheaper for the masses. And that's the unique feature in the Lafarge transaction. So the stroke of a pen, not only does Afrimat uh, substantially increase its nationwide footprint in construction materials leading to operational efficiencies, it gains a fly ash business. And quite frankly, the cement deal basically is thrown in for free. So anything that it can make from cement by turning around that business uh, is going to be an upside win for Afrimat. And they believe on an 18-month scenario, they can substantially improve the underlying business's profitability, which again, as I said, being as they only paid 800 million rand for the company, if it starts making 300 million rand in a couple of years, that'll turn out to be one of the bargains of the century for Afrimat. Uh, staying with uh, cement, let's talk PPC because they actually um, have not had the best of times in South Africa at least. They seem to do well in Zimbabwe but there's currency issues there and that really doesn't always translate to the bottom line. Anthony, what do you make of this counter? You seem to be reading my mind today. I'm literally <laughs> writing for your sister publication, mm -hmm. the Financial Mail, uh, a large feature on cement, which will be in the uh, Financial Mail next week. And PPC is mm -hmm. one of the companies I'm commenting on. And, you know, as a, as a short potted history, it's not had the greatest of track records. Firstly, being busted in the cement cartel in the 90s, and then in the 2000s, rapidly expanding into Africa, which led to a huge increase in its debt pile. And by the 2020s, the company basically was, was, was exploding under the weight of its own debt. Substantial restructuring in the last couple of years has brought the debt pile down from 5.2 billion rand to just under a billion rand. But the earnings still have not improved. So on a like-for-like -like basis in the last 12 months, we've seen revenue fairly flat at around 10 billion rand. But because of a combination of impairments and restructurings, uh, the company reported a headline earnings per share loss of 8 cents in the period. So the cement market domestically remains basically at a stranglehold because the underlying retail market, which is a bagged cement we buy from the likes of a cash build in a builder's warehouse, is extremely competitive. And the consumer is buckling under the weight of food price inflation, low economic growth and even, and even lower employment growth. And government simply is not spending on the greater infrastructure level. So there aren't new roads, houses, you know, bridges being built. So the cement sector basically is, is stuck in you know, a rock and a hard place. Both sides of the economy, government and consumer, are currently in a very tough space. And as such, profits are very, are very, very slim. But most companies believe that a turnaround should start to come, hopefully, after the 2024 elections, when we have some clarity as to who's running this country and if, and if the government of the day will start spending. For now, I would not want to be in any cement companies. Uh, I'd rather diversify my risk and be in Afrimat to get a balanced portfolio. I must also ask you about the impact of cheap imports. Uh, the CEO has been very vocal about this. They've approached the government uh, to really assist in this regard. But that hasn't really come online um, as I think they've hoped and any investor in the industry had hoped. Anthony, can we, uh, you know, fight this better? Just helping uh, companies like PPC uh, cope, considering that we aren't spending on infrastructure as we should. Yeah, there has been some remedial relief uh, to the cement sector. Uh, going back to 2015, 
uh, imports from Pakistan uh, were levied by huge import tariffs, which basically curtailed significant imports from uh, that low-cost uh, supplier. But then Vietnam took over, uh, and they are now under tariff investigation by the government to potentially also impose significant tariffs from a, a low-cost uh, importer. Uh, up until about 2015, imports of cement into this country did not have any tariffs. They could just import freely. But the domestic market back then, as I said, was basically controlled by a cartel. Once a cartel was broken up, uh, imports started to come into this country and they now constitute anything between 10 and 15 percent of all domestic consumption. But saying that the cement industry has about 20 million tons of installed capacity, but is only producing around 12 million tons. So they need to get underlying demand in this country up to become far more efficient to improve their operational efficiencies. That'll only come with government spending. And as we all know, uh, government spending towards infrastructure has been at a very, very low level for many, many years. And until that improves, the cement sector, quite frankly, will remain in the doldrums. So tariffs will assist, as will the government's desire to buy locally made cement for any infrastructure projects. But until government starts spending, the cement sector, quite frankly, is going to go nowhere. It is flatlining. It's in a coma. Sure. I mustn't ask you about Invicta. Uh, you've called this a Phoenix recovery stock. Keen to find out uh, why, uh, Anthony. But also, they've been on a bit of a shopping spree. So we can talk to us about those assets. Yes, Invicta is an interesting company. Um, one of the reasons why the share price has been fairly flat for the last uh, year or so, it's trading this morning at 28 Rand, despite a net asset value of uh, 45 Rand 49, which is a 38% discount to its current share price. The single largest shareholder is Christo Visa, who owns round numbers around 40%. As I wrote in a note recently, if Invicta had been a normal JC listed company uh, with a complete free float, it would have been taken out by private equity many years ago. Mm. But because Christo Visa is a dominant shareholder, it, it basically protects the company from takeover. And because most institutions in this country actually own Invicta, we need a new entrant to come in to basically kickstart the company's share price. As you correctly mentioned, they've been on a bit of an acquisitive spree uh, in the last while. They actually announced two transactions last week, uh, one in the Far East and one in the UK. Uh, they were only a voluntary, so they were actually below the normal JSC disclosure thresholds. But I estimate they'll add about 10% to their offshore revenue and between 5 and 6% to the overall offshore re uh, profitability of the company. The real feature for Invicta has been the recovery in earnings. Uh, in recent results to March 2023, headline earnings per share uh, rose 41% to 4 Rand 64 and a dividend of 1 Rand a share was paid. Now, this from a company that only a matter of years ago was saddled with over 2 billion Rand of debt, a 750 million Rand claim from SARS for a back tax liability, and the company's market value was trading at 4 Rand a share. Today we're at 28 Rand with a share price despite a Lazarus recovery since March 2020 has basically stalled. And despite the excellent work that Stephen Joffe, the CEO, has done in recovering the company, paring back debt, and quite frankly, turning the company around, the market still has not fully uh, valued the business regarding the uh, recovery the company has actually undertaken. So to me, Invicta is, uh, is cheap, and is for, for my money, it's worth 38 Rand a share. But the market has yet to agree with me, and it's basically flatlining the stock at 28 Rand. Its time will come. But maybe the next couple of years as offshore earnings start to creep up, given the weakness of Iran and the translation benefits to its underlying earnings. Now, Anthony, as we do every week, uh, you know, we try to rate these stocks for retail investors who have, may have some money uh, lying around. In what order would you acquire these shares? 
Well, if I had to be in any stock right now, I really prefer Afrimat. Mm. I have a target value in my institutional works of 80 Rand. It's currently trading at roughly 60 Rand. We've got significant upside coming in the next 12 months from its coal business. The iron ore price is ticking along quite nicely. And as I mentioned earlier, if the Lafarge cement deal starts to turn around in the next 12 to 18 months, we could see a significant kick to earnings. So my number one buy in the sector would be Lafarge, would be Afrimat. My number two then would be Invicta. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a target price of 38 Rand. It's currently trading at uh, roughly 28. Well, Anthony, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. A treat for us to have you two weeks in a row. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm keen to catch up again soon. And that, that was Anthony Clark from Small Talk Daily Research with your Wednesday edition of Stock Fix. Just a reminder to tune in on Friday at 9 a.m. We'll be broadcasting the Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, Dr. Bladen Zamande's unveiling of the outcomes of the first national tracer study of doctoral graduates in South Africa. This is also known as the PhD tracer. The study tracks, among other things, the demographic attributes, work experience and career paths, as well as mobility of doctorate holders who graduated from South African universities between the year 2000 and 2018. So for more detail on that, join us here here on Business Day TV on Friday at 9 a.m. That's all from the Business Lunch team today. Zanati's back on your screens at half past five this afternoon. But until then, stay tuned for lots more coming up right here on Business Day TV.